You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is called Pirate Radio. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? You run around this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a playground. You beat up the bullies with your fists. You throw them in jail. Everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, they're back on the streets doing the yeah. same goddamn so, thing. So you just put them in the morgue. You're goddamn right, I do. One chooses to walk the way of the Mandalore. You are both hunter and prey. This is the way. This is the way. The Force will be with you. Always. Be bold. Be brave. Courageous. Black alert. It's called Pirate Radio. We a refuge for great geeks, cause round here we don't get geek. We don't care for the hate speech. That's why we ain't mainstream. So we linked up on the same team. No heights we can't reach. We are fan, we're hearts true. If you feel the same, sing along too. Say great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge, great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. It's like, yeah, uh, no, action news. And now, your host, Mike Lutzberg. I'm totally gonna use that, too. <laughs> friends and welcome to another episode of at the diner the flagship podcast here on the great geek refuge my name is mike lunsford i am the host of this podcast i am also the editor-in-chief of our website it is greatgeekrefuge.com check it out when you get a chance there's lots of great articles lots of great podcasts so much for your geeky nerdy pleasure to enjoy on today's podcast i am joined by co-host extraordinaire you know him you love him he is a gifted visual artist um not only that, he's incredibly knowledgeable about all things comic books, movies, TV, so much so that we have nicknamed him The Professor. His name is James Rambo. <laughs> Ironically, there is a professor yeah. on this call that is not me. <laughs> <laughs> what a great segue, though, man. I fucking love that. So he'll have to introduce his credentials. I know he's a professor. I know that his, his um, professor... Ship. Ism professorship, yeah. yeah. His professorship is in the arts, so I think that he might actually be the Yoda to James Rambo's Obi Wan when it comes to <laughs> his Jedi art skills. Um, please welcome for his first time on the GGR Pirate Radio airwaves here at the diner, Mr. Elvin Hernandez. Oh, hey. well, it's funny because uh, I was James Rambo's professor, so <laughs> it kind of brings everything together. Uh, hi, uh, so I work at uh, UMES, University of Maryland, Eastern Shore. I am the an associate, no, assistant faculty for the Department of Fine Arts. I concentrate in the applied design classes, which includes sequential arts one, two, and three, illustration. I teach a lot of comics, I teach a lot of cartooning, and then from time to time, watercolors and all sorts of different things. Um, and then I teach for the education department as well. And I'm also a uh, visual artist as well. Um, I've worked on card jobs and illustration card jobs for like Upper Deck, Cryptozoic. I've, I've 
book for uh, Focal Press uh, called uh, uh, Set the Action, which is uh, a, I guess it's a textbook of sorts. It's a how-to for background design for uh, animators, designers, and stuff like that. And I'm currently working on my own comic. It's called Mundo Rudo. It's a superhero slash luchador comic about characters from Mexico and Puerto Rico dealing with monsters and aliens and erasure in Latin America. So that sounds dope as fuck. That was fucking yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping it is. Yeah. That's so cool. Like the Maryland Eastern Shore thing. Like, okay, so my mom lived in Bethany Beach for years. Right? Oh, okay. And I've passed that fucking school probably 80 billion times. And I'm always yeah. like, this seems like a, man, I should have tried to go here. Like, I should have tried to go to college here. Like, that's so cool. Like, I've, I've seen that school a million times. And like, you're the first person I know that's like associated with that. So I love that school. I remember the first time I drove up there, because I used to teach at the Art Institute of Washington. And one of the big things about the Art Institute of Washington is it looked like a building that clearly has government offices in there. Like yeah, it's a big corporate office. Like building. a college, <laughs> it looked like like an establishing shot in an office show. Uh, <laughs> but when you go to UMES and you drive in, the first thing you go is like, "This is a college." They got like different parts, different areas, all bricked out. It's a uh, HBCU, so it's got like a lot of history and a lot of stuff. Nice. Really cool. Oh wow, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and the cool thing about it is like. It's got a full comics department, which I'm like, how many comics departments are there in the United States uh, with regards to just teaching sequential arts? I'm, I'm over the moon with it. So I really enjoy it. And I like the, the I, it's very different than living in the DC slash Virginia area. It's much quieter here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which I mean, there's not a lot of like big old events and stuff like that. And even though, yeah, it has its reputation in certain areas that it's not particularly very, you know, there's a lot of, let's say, uh, 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 leaning towards certain directions. It's okay. You can say it on this podcast. There's a lot of, <laughs> okay. there's a lot of, Trump, there's a lot of Trump supporters out there. Yeah, I was trying to clean it up. <laughs> if you go to the main areas in Salisbury, whatnot, there's a lot of pride flags. There's a lot of more. Yeah. And there's a lot more stuff within the area. There's pockets. Of oh, yeah. In the larger area, yeah, it's a little bit more uh, uh, red statey, but it, it it has more of a balance than you might think it does. Yeah. And honestly, so. I can't ever let you disparage the good name of Pumpkin Chunkin that happens after <laughs> Halloween every. <laughs> That shit, that shit is so white trash, but it's so goddamn fun. Like, you know, <laughs> I keep finding out that I, I may be white trash. Like I'm Puerto Rican. <laughs> My wife and I have this conversation all the time. I was like, she'll, she'll be like, well, are you really white trash? And I'm like, I, um, maybe, maybe not. I don't think I am. And she's like, you just sent a strongly worded email to our landlord because you were mad about the way that they emailed you something. And I was like, yeah, all right, fair enough. No, but here's a the thing. lot of flea markets. <laughs> that's that all I'm behavior, saying. <laughs> that behavior is not necessarily trashy. It's I wouldn't even say bougie. It's more bougie. Like yeah, it's, yeah, got it's, little, it's got a little Karen flavor. And it's, it's, fine. it's yeah. the it's the it's the difference between like um when a when a uh, uh when a brown child speaks multiple languages, they're like, well, yeah, of course, they need to learn English. But when a white child speaks multiple languages, like, oh, they're multilingual. Yeah. Like, if a rich person did what you did to the leasing office, 
they'd be like, well, yes, of course. They're not to be spoken to that way. But if a poor person is like, oh, you think you're so fucking great, don't you? So yeah, it's just a matter of fucking context and perspective. Yeah, well, I'm kind of like I'm like dumb. right in that meaty center of like we're not poor, <laughs> but we're not rich. So it's just like, all right, who's this guy? Like, yeah, if I had shown up there in a tank top and yelled at them about it, maybe. Sure. But, yeah, maybe yeah. holding like an like an open like bush light. Yeah, like a hat that says <laughs> "Ask Gas or Grass, No One Rides for Free." You know, something yeah. like that. Yeah, no, I yeah. got you. <laughs> Anywho, um, <laughs> so Elvin, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you for um, having me. Rambo brought this to my attention that this idea that you had, and I want you to kind of introduce it to everybody because this is going to be the main topic for today's podcast. Um, Elvin, go ahead and introduce to our our listeners here what we're going to be talking about today. Okay, so um, I should full disclosure: part of this presentation is going to include a, a an admittance of not knowing too much about the subject. Uh, <laughs> so we're talking about Cobra Kai. Yes, and I had mentioned that. Uh, you know, I hadn't really watched a lot of Cobra Kai, um, but I, what I have seen, I've liked the idea that it continues the plot line of the Karate Kid, but from a different point of view. It's just taking the story and just shifting it from a different angle, and suddenly you get new protagonists, new antagonists. Like suddenly Johnny Lawrence is just some bully that beat up on, on Daniel LaRusso for so many years. Now we get like, oh no, in his eyes, this was all messed up and it ruined his life. So like you sort of, sort of start getting a different point of view just by changing the main characters. So I just started wondering what other 80s or 90s franchise could actually get different, I guess another new life, a new lease on life just by changing the point of view. Cause I guess that's also Creed to a certain point. Yeah, I yeah. would say. Yeah, yeah. taking the son of Apollo Creed, yeah. I'd say the big difference between like something like Cobra Kai and Creed is it's not so much changing perspective as it is just picking up years later, which yeah. I think still definitely works. Uh, but with Cobra Kai specifically, it's it really is um, the shifting of perspectives and um, it's harder to it's harder to feel bad for Daniel now that he's so successful and Johnny is is so not. Yeah. yeah. Well, I also I will, like that it doesn't give you a clear villain because Daniel yeah. is not is the antagonist in, to a certain extent, but he's also not necessarily a bad guy either. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I will say, um, fortunately, one of the things that's one of the hallmarks of this of this podcast is that no one person has to be an expert on all. We okay. lean on each other. So luckily, me being a a slut for anything Karate Kid, um, I have seen all of the episodes of Cobra Kai. So you're good. I got you, man. We, like, okay. we, can, we can balance this out. Um, in fact, like Cobra Kai did something unexpected for me mm -hmm. because I started watching it. Same thing. I was like, this is kind of cool that we're seeing the perspective of Johnny Lawrence. And mm -hmm. like, you're learning that, yeah, he's kind of a piece of shit, but like, there's a reason why he's a piece of shit. Yeah. And like, you understand the perspective, you see the flips and things, you see that Daniel LaRusso, yeah, okay, while the hero of the series, he's kind of a douchebag at various points. And yeah. like, we've talked about this on the podcast before, that like, when you really flesh out a character, you realize yeah. that no one person is pure, like good guy or pure bad guy. There is these shades of gray, and that just makes for a much deeper character. 
but like Cobra Kai made me go back and watch the Karate Kid and Karate Kid 2 and Karate Kid 3 subsequently and realize how much I fucking loved those movies when I was a kid. Oh, and awesome. like the problem was is like I had been like, I don't want to say conditioned, but like pop culture tends to make you think of certain things about stuff. You know, mm-hmm. the Karate Kid was cheesy. The Karate Kid was not that good of a movie. Like, oh, it's really, really lame. Ha ha ha, it's just a joke. But like going back and watching those, I was like, there's a lot of really good things going on here. Mm-hmm. These movies were really, really good. I actually think the second one is better than the first one personally. Um, mm, and not only that, Pat Morita got nominated for an Oscar for this. Wait, what? Really? Yeah, he got nominated for an Oscar for his portrayal of Mr. Miyagi in the first Karate Kid movie. I didn't oh. know that at all. <laughs> yeah, like it, he, I didn't realize how integral he was to that. Again, it's, it goes back to kind of the conversation we were having on the cold open, which by the way, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. If you wanted to join the Patreon and hear these awesome conversations <laughs> that we have on the cold open, you can. It's patreon.com slash Great Geek Refuge. Yeah, we, uh, we, we, we talked about uh, uh, Burton's Batman. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had a whole whole great conversation there. It was, yeah. And you can be part of that as well for just $5 a month. It's that easy. Um, and in looking back at these movies, you really start understanding the things better. You understand like what you saw as a kid was only part of it. Because once you watch mm-hmm. it as an adult, you have a much better um, understanding of how kind of all of this works. And I'm looking for, cause I said that he got nominated for an actor or for an Oscar. I want to make sure. Yeah, he did. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Karate Kid launched the career of Machio who would later turn into a teen idol, yada, yada, yada. It revitalized the acting career of Pat Morita, previously known for his comedic roles, Arnold on the happy day on happy days, who was nominated for the Academy Award for best supporting actor for his performance of Mr. Miyagi. Okay. Yes. Wow. I wasn't just, I wasn't just making that up. That wasn't some sort of fever dream that I had. Um, yeah, I, I love the way that this series rolls because what you end up seeing is, is as um, Cobra Kai plays out over what is now five seasons, mm-hmm. they give all of this depth to all these things that happen. And they do the Rashomon thing where like, yes. you see the story from three different perspectives because at one point, Elizabeth Shue comes back. And Elizabeth, yeah. Shue, Elizabeth Shue is basically just like, cause Johnny's like, well, this is what happened. And Daniel's like, no, this is what happened. Elizabeth Shue's like, fuck both of you. Yeah, because we're both douchebags. <laughs> and like, you get to see that like, you know, there's two, two sides or three sides to every story. And somewhere in the middle is the truth. And like, wow. that's something that you can call, I've described this to other people as um, the Karate Kid is like going to a diner. <laughs> Look at that. And we're at the diner. Um, <laughs> you're not always going to get like high caliber Michelin star quality food, but you're going to get something really fucking satisfying a lot of the times. But every now and then you'll get something that fucking blows your socks off. You're like, holy shit. They just did Wagyu beef sliders. And this is amazing. Like that's karate. That, that's the Karate Kid franchise. That's Cobra Kai. Like a lot of times you're just like, this is really fucking satisfying. This is like a stack of pancakes at like two in the morning after drinking with my friends. And then other times you'll get these like incredibly moving moments. There's a scene in, it's I want to say it's season three, maybe season four. Daniel goes back to Okinawa. Oh wow! And do you? I think it's Ram, season two. Yeah. yeah. He goes back to Okinawa, and um, his love interest from. Uh, the second movie, um, Kumiko reads a letter that Mr. Miyagi wrote to his love interest. Oh, no. And it is, it is punch you in the gut 
just rip you apart because Mr. Miyagi talks about how Daniel was like a son to him. And like you, they reinforce this throughout the entire series, but they nail the character basically in reading a letter of Mr. Miyagi. Cause he says all this stuff and he goes, he goes, you know, yada, yada, yada. I love him like a son. And ultimately, isn't that what this is all about is the love of family. And he goes, did you like that line? I stole it from a car commercial. Like, and that's, <laughs> that's so Mr. Miyagi, like, it's it's so great. I, I enjoy every single minute of this fucking series. But like, let's delve into your question now. As I close my soliloquy here, um, Rambo, have have you thought of any other '80s or '90s series or movies that like, if we flip the perspective on this, we might get some really really good narrative? Well, I I, I, I thought of a couple. One yeah. of which is is a late '60s uh, series. So I'm kind of breaking the rules there. Um, there's no rules. It's okay. But so the, the, the first, well, me and I will actually talk about, um, uh, this one when, uh, fucking Rob Zombie, um, when his Monsters trailer was coming out, uh, which like, man, talk about nailing tone and just like shooting it on a fucking like Motorola razor. Yeah. He looks like garbage. Um, yeah, the phone would have been better. <laughs> but no we were we were talking about um uh how uh, actually as we often do um sort of transplanting a property and who you get to play different characters and things mm-hmm. um and yeah the monsters uh i feel like you could do a a really interesting monsters movie if you kind of handled it like the burbs where they're mm-hmm. not the perspective characters um there's just sort of like a normal plain dude who lives in like a little cul-de-sac mm-hmm. uh, and there's this destitute old house that one day there's a car parked in the driveway um and the guy ke- and like the guy's hearing weird noises and shit and um like every every couple of nights like there's somebody like in the backyard digging a hole or something um like during a rainstorm mm-hmm. and he keeps hearing about these new neighbors from everybody else but he's never actually met them but what he has seen is he has seen this eerily beautiful woman uh, that is just sort of seemingly floating around the neighborhood um, and like children are going missing. He has seen um, the like animals that have been ripped apart every full moon, uh, uh, like like dogs and cats getting, getting murdered um, in his neighborhood from out of nowhere. Um, He's seen, uh, uh, you know, there was that one night he took his trash out and there was some gigantic lumbering beast near him and he didn't know what it was and he didn't know why it was there, but he knew he had to get the fuck away from it. From his perspective, every time he sees Herman or Lily or Eddie, they look like genuine fucked up horror movie monsters. Mm -hmm. But for everybody else, they're the monsters. They're just like this new family that has shown there. And you could have the 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 series be about prejudice and mm-hmm. and stereotypes. And like this guy, all he knows is he sees this kind of strange looking uh, family that has these weird customs that he's not used to. Um, and over the course of the series, it's about him coming to terms with his own internal prejudices uh, and like his own inherent racism. Um, Cause I think it would also really work if uh, the Munsters are an immigrant family. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, the, the whole thing ends up being about immigration and um, uh, uh, and, and stereotyping and, and prejudice. Uh, and it's about this dude having to make peace with all of the shit that's like kind of built in uh, to his own society and himself because of it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. The not to critique. I think it's yeah. Sure. Like no. Here, let's hear it. Um, I this it reminds me a lot of the Adams family because the Adams family is about that. Like that's it's about immigrants and being the others, you know, and like sure. everybody looking at them as weirdos. And like I've always had one of those things about the Munsters and the Adams family. I was like, aren't they the same thing? You know, like they're very similar in a lot of they ways. They're very I, similar. Yeah. And they I'm not like similar. yeah, I'm not knocking yeah. either of them. Oh no, um, no. I think the big difference between the Munsters and the Adams family is, well, the skin on it. Yeah. The Adamses look human, like indisputably, save like a, a handful of them. The <laughs> Munsters is a thing. Oh, yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even natural. It just kind of comes naturally. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't even intentional. Um, it just flows naturally. Uh, uh, you know, save like cousin it and thing uh, mm -hmm. lurch to some degree, but like the majority of the family look human. Um, mm -hmm. it's only, oh, oh, that was another thing. That was another thing I was really proud of when mm -hmm. we were talking about it was Marilyn, Marilyn Munster. Um, one of the like, you know, kind of favorite fan theories is that Marilyn is like a serial killer. Um, she's like mm -hmm. a Norman Bates kind of character. And I thought, well, wouldn't it make just like similar sense if she was on the spectrum? She's someone who like, she doesn't quite know how best to express um, like social interaction or or um, or pick up on social cues. So she goes things does things a little too much. She smiles a little too hard. Her mask isn't quite that good. But to this guy's perspective, she's this weird, creepy girl that is surrounded by these 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 creatures and is perfectly at home with them, which just makes it all the fucking stranger. Um, I really like that. That's yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it's it's yeah. The 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 Adamses are just they're just living their lives uh, as as a human. Like Gomez Adams could go out and just like go to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Herman Munster can't. And yeah. when he does, it, it, the the reaction to be, from people is very different. Yeah. With the with the Adams family, there's also a little bit of commentary about mental illness in and of itself too. Whereas with the monsters, it's definitely more like old country, new country type thing. Because like, yeah, it's, it's definitely grandpa like making weird concoctions and stuff like that. There is a commentary of like recipes that you bring from the old world. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, what's that weird smell? Like, exactly. Like, yeah, that's. Like, side note, like, not to delve too uh, off topic mm -hmm. here, that was one of my favorite scenes in Wonder Woman 84, was mm -hmm. when we start learning about um, Max Lord and mm -hmm. that he was an immigrant and, like, he would bring his food to lunch yeah. and the white kids would make fun of him. I was, that, mm -hmm. that, like, that hit me right in the gut. I was like, man, that is so sad because, mm -hmm. like, I definitely remember being a kid and running into stuff like that. Like, mm -hmm. ew, what's that weird thing you're eating on your bagel? It's it's lox, it's smoked salmon. Oh, that's gross. No, it's delicious. What are you talking about? Like, and seeing like other kids from who had different backgrounds. And like, I've always been one of those people that's been like really adventurous about food. And like, I still remember, um, he was from Ghana. There was a kid that came to our mm -hmm. school that was like, 
he had this really it's wrong to say weird, but as a as a as a nine year old, a very weird stew that he brought for lunch. And I remember asking him, I was like, "What is that? That seems weird." And he's like, "Oh no, it's this, and it's got this and this and this." I was like, "Can I try it?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure." And it was like, um, it was like a flavor explosion. I was like, "I've never tasted so many different. This is so good. What's in this?" And he's like, "Telling me all the stuff," and like so many other people being like, "Ew, that's gross. I'm gonna go eat my peanut butter and jelly now." Like. Yeah. Yeah, like all of these, all of these things that the Adams family and the monsters, like mm-hmm. I wouldn't say subversively did, but like you didn't realize it because, like, no, I mean it is it is subversive. Yeah, you were you were just like as a kid, you were just like, oh, look, it's fucking Frankenstein and shit. Look at that, isn't that funny? Yeah, yeah. I think that would be good, man. I like that. It's amazing that they got that much mileage out of its mom yeah. living next door, which tells you how universal. The concept. Is, oh, I didn't even realize. Hey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As I said, I was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> um, hey, but yeah, it's a really cool idea. I, I was thinking about this a lot too, and I was having a really hard time coming up with like a, a, a unique idea. But I was coming up with a lot of things that like they did a really good job of expanding upon. So yeah. Uh, recently, this was within the last decade, I think, maybe even more than that. But when they went back and they started doing X-Men again as movies and they did X-Men First Class, one mm-hmm. of the things that I really liked about it is when Brian Singer first did the X-Men movies, like you had Ian McKellen as Magneto, which fucking great, right? And you get like mm-hmm. little bits and pieces of like who this guy was before all of this, mm-hmm. right? And he's just like, well, he's just a villain and he wants to, you know, make humans like hurt for yeah like making them uh for making mutants feel bad but like with michael fassbender's performance of it and you get to see that like he was in a concentration camp and he basically had to like murder his own mother and like you start to understand more of the character and like they did a really good job of taking somebody who's always just been a villain and showing you that like this is a dude who's just had a shitload of trauma Mm -hmm. and like you you I wouldn't say identify with him, but you kind of understand him a lot better. And like, you understand why he would go to those extremes. And you see the the disparity between him and Xavier. And you almost think to a second, you're like, well, you know, Xavier comes from money mm-hmm. and he's been pretty fortunate that like his gift was not, like nobody tried to um, manipulate him yet. I mean, they do obviously, that's like a whole thing with X-Men later, but like, with Magneto being the way he is, he immediately was like, oh, well, we can use this and we can use it to further our goals. Um, same thing with Mystique. Like when Mystique is not herself, when she's portraying, when she's using a mask, as Rambo had pointed out earlier, like she looks, you know, she's this beautiful blonde woman, but like in her normal state, she can't pull off what Xavier does. And that's just mm-hmm. hide amongst the normies. Mm-hmm. And like, they did a really, really good job with that, with those new movies, or at least with the first one. The rest of them were there, right, I guess. But like, they do a really, really good job of doing that in first class, of like showing mm-hmm. you that like, it's not just as simple as, well, we're mutants and isn't everything great and wonderful? No, some of them don't look like people. Some of them have some serious trauma. And like, that was one of the things that I really enjoyed about it was that you got to see this perspective that like the comic books touch on a little bit, and like further into the series, as you get into the comics, they do a much better job of it. But like early on, it was just like Magneto is a bad guy and he's got magnets and he takes missiles and yeah, he's gonna hurt everybody. Like, 
to take those basic characters that we were that we were introduced to in the 60s and 70s and really like blow them up and really get that depth was it was a great thing yeah and and it it also kind of shines light on the uh the credit that you know stanley gets that he uh, really deserve um like people people will take these characters that are that have become developed Mm -hmm. in these ways and then kind of project that backwards as Mm -hmm. they're like oh well that was always the intent you know well clearly uh uh, professor xavier represents martin luther king and magneto represents like no not even a little bit over time people were able to ascribe these kind of ideologies Mm -hmm. to them but mutant as it stood when, when the X-Men were created was radiation. Like radiation is creating mutations and is mm-hmm. changing things. And how is that going to affect reality? Uh, how is that going to affect people and, and, and different organisms? Um, but, you know, you can, uh, you know, people like to, to kind of like uh, uh, ascribe these, like the work that, that people did later on to the original creators when it's so often they're they're not directly related the the first i mean there was an aspect of, of exploration of prejudice in the original x-men no, i will not disagree with that absolutely but i i do agree that the magneto was more like a yeah yeah i mean like the brotherhood of evil mutants yeah it's ridiculous <laughs> have you read any of the somersaults that claremont later did to try to be like no it was just an ironic names <laughs> <laughs> going back at society and it's like you're trying to fix something that's broken just leave it alone just leave it be just leave it be just leave it be it's it's subversive no it's not claremont uh... <laughs> i i was thinking about like the 80s and 90s like properties that you could do some stuff like this with mm-hmm. and like i feel like one of the 80s movies i always think about i always think about ferris bueller's day off it's one of my favorite it's one of my favorite 80s movies of all time and i think too that whole like well he's skipping school all the time mm-hmm. and he's he's like hacking into the computer systems to change his absences and i started thinking about like mr mooney like the the vice president uh vice president the vice principal who's trying to like bust him on this and i was like you know if you really flip the perspective on this this would be kind of an interesting thing of like this kid who's like cheating the system and like like lying and doing all this evil stuff but then you realize as you delve into that um the actor who played um yeah yeah <laughs> jeffrey jones jeffrey uh, jones has a odd obsession with children that is the kindest possible way to put that <laughs> in that movie he does but it like fits with him as a person and it's just like kind of gross it's like why are you so obsessed with this 17 year old bo- oh no yeah no this isn't gonna work no no that movie does do an interesting possibility with the sister character like the, if you were to take the movie from her point of oh, view, from genie's point yeah yeah that she's the, like she's watching this bastard get away with anything that she can because there's like sexism in her house like but uh they also kind of play with that in the movie in and of itself so i don't know if the movie 100 changes if you change the point of view because i guess they give you both right yeah uh, they it, do at least to a little bit but i think you can yeah. do like a lisa bart simpson kind of thing oh yeah where you know where janie is the she's the the kid who is like actually doing all the things she's supposed to yeah, and Ferris is able to do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, just because, like, like almost exclusively because he's the boy, and because he's charming. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, and, yeah, yeah, he yeah. is charming as fuck. There's yeah. no getting, there's no way around that. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, like, pick up, pick up, you know, twenty years later with Ferris, where is he and what is he doing? Like, that's a good. Or uh, with Fry, fucking Cameron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's What's my favorite. Cameron? He's my favorite character in that in that movie, just because and, like there's so much depth that is unstated. Like yeah. the, the relationship between him and his father, like the, the fact, that, yeah. Oh yeah, and the fact that he's like so depressed, like he's like I just he's like I'm not feeling well. I don't want to get out of bed, and it's like he calls out sick for the day, but he's not sick. Well, he is, but like from the '80s aesthetic, he's not. Like yeah. oh well you know there's he, he's just down on the dumps. No, this kid has like everybody has bad days, Junior. Yeah, so like he has serious issues with his parents. And yeah. like the depression is like, and I love, I love when he's sitting in the car and he's debating whether or not he's gonna go I'm gonna help. Go, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. <laughs> yeah, he's like he'll just keep calling and calling and calling. And like to this day, one of my favorite scenes in any movie is when he calls and pretends to be Sloan's father, Mr. Peterson. <laughs> like, pardon my French, but you're an asshole. Like, like God damn it, I love that scene so much. The greatest scene for me in that movie is still the two guys in the car floating through space. Oh, yes, that still kills me. But you're right, that scene is so good. We steal the yeah. (laughs) Oh god, when he told me, sir, god damn it. (laughs) When he he says Rooney has to be outside with Sloan and Ferris starts hitting him, (laughs) (laughs) but no, I I think I I also like the idea of, of um really leaning on Cameron's perspective and seeing like how much of an asshole Ferris is. Yeah. Um, or like you, again, because a lot of this also ties back to a lot of fan theories. Um, what is actually happening versus what Cameron thinks is happening? Yeah. Because that's one of the big fan theories is that Cameron imagines the entire day. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that Ferris, him and Ferris that aren't friends. Yeah, that Ferris is, I've heard the theory that Ferris is his Tyler Durden. I hadn't heard that, but yeah, that, I mean, that would be, that, that works just as well. I mean, like, or that Ferris doesn't exist at all. Not even like yeah. in, 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 as far as Cameron uh, uh, is like making him a personality. Like yeah, he's right. just kind of like, it's not like an imaginary friend. Yeah. Um, and here's this, here's this guy who's so cool and he's my best friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ostensibly like, Cameron's a loser. Like he's got, he comes from money, but yeah. that's really sort of it. Um, so if you could do like, if you could, if you could basically play Johnny Lawrence as like a friendly, a more friendly guy, that's kind of Ferris. Um, like, Fer- shit, I never thought about that. Ferris is an '80s bully. We're just getting at everything from his perspective. Yeah, it's 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 actually taking summer school from a different perspective <laughs> how many fucking conversations are we gonna have when we bring up summer school <laughs> all of them i can't <laughs> do this again elvin <laughs> well, I, the idea i'm sorry keep going no no you're good go ahead i was like it's funny how how some of these things kind of uh get a second life this way because uh going back to when you were talking about Cobra Kai and how it, it's evolving and all that stuff in my I'm teaching this semester from the mentals of design which is a level one class it's 
learning about space, learning about shapes, doing different lines and textures. And <laughs> doing a lot of lines. And a lot of kids <laughs> are always like, why God's name are we doing? <laughs> and normally bringing this as, a, as an example, I have to do a whole preamble. I was like, well, there's this movie from the 80s, you know, Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi, we teach things and wax on. This time I was like, well, Mr. Miyagi, wax on. You know, we're like, oh, wax on, wax off. Because it's back in the, the, the oh, in lexicon, yeah. world. Like kids know the Karate Kid again because of, of the, these type of things. So me explaining how you'd use these things to actually make your larger pieces a lot easier now that he's back in, in, in popular culture. <laughs> yep. um, I was thinking about John Hughes movies now because we mm -hmm. were talking about um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off and like flipping the perspective on things and, and seeing if it would work. And I was thinking about some of the other John Hughes movies and I thought about Home Alone. Oh. And I was like, is there any way to do this? Uh, like you can't make... You can't make Harry and Marv like good guys. Because <laughs> Rambo, you have something to say about that? I, I, Home Alone is one of the other movies that I, I really thought about. <laughs> I'd know, love to hear. Yeah, please, go, please, man. Like, do you do you have anything else you want to say about it? Yeah, because the the thing that I started because I, I was initially like I thought that, and then I was like, wait, no, don't do them. That's too obvious. I was like the other kids in the McAllister family. I was like because Kevin ends up being this focal point all the time even though he ends up not being the focal point because they forget him twice. You know, yeah. like the first time is 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 one thing, but the second time, like, well, no, because they didn't really forget him. That was just a screw up and that was just a weird like set of circumstances. But like, if I was one of the other kids in the McAllister family, first off, there's like 80 of those goddamn kids. But like the fact that Kevin McAllister is very much Ferris Bueller in the sense that like he gets to do whatever he wants. He gets to smart mouth his mom. like. He smart mouths his dad, like run like all the time, and then like goes to New York, racks up a like hundred thousand dollar bill at the goddamn plaza, like like trashes their house, and there's fucking no way that that little kid cleaned up that whole house after all of the horrors that he created in the first one. Okay, yeah. like guaranteed, like the dad goes through and finds out that the furnace doesn't fucking work anymore because Kevin was fucking around with it. Like this kid causes hundreds of thousands of dollars of property damage, and like. Nothing ever happens to him. If I was one of the other kids in that family, I would hate my brother so goddamn much. No wonder they treat him like shit. Because he's an asshole and he just does whatever he wants. No wonder Buzz is a dick to him. No wonder the sisters treat him like shit. Like, I totally get it now, now that I'm like rationalizing and, and going through it. Like, it could be, what was that movie that he was in with Elijah Wood where he was like evil? Fuck. The Good oh, Son. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> The yeah. Good Son, yes. yes. I didn't even realize that my pitch is so much like The Good Son. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's like okay. summer school. Uh <laughs> it's like summer school. <laughs> so this is all very interesting. What does it have to do with Mark Harmon? Um, so, so, all right. So my Home Alone... Uh, uh, um submitted for the approval of the cobra kai society um <laughs> is we pick up years later uh kevin's an adult kevin's a grown man and kevin is a local politician uh he's on like maybe the city council um uh uh it wasn't set in Shermer because Shermer was was uh, uh hughes exclusively and, and 
Home Alone was a Chris Columbus movie, but I know it's in Illinois. Um, but yeah, like he's maybe maybe he's he's um, he's on like the Chicago City Council um, and he's running for mayor or even governor of Illinois. Uh, he's going for like a big seat. And, you know, 30 years have gone by. So uh, uh, he's now a grown man with his own family. He's established. Um, and one of the things that happened in, during his formative years uh, was he got a taste of power and specifically power over other people. So my Home Alone series is sort of like Home Alone by way of Saw. Um, Kevin McAllister now takes petty criminals uh, who kind of fall through the cracks and he puts them in seemingly normal surroundings that are all horribly booby-trapped. Um, and of course, no, like maybe you have, you have one person escape, like, like they get out um because everybody else just ends up dead um but one person manages to get out and no one believes him no one her no one believes her um yeah. <laughs> that, that this squeaky clean perfect blonde hair blue-eyed politician is doing this to people why, like why to like to 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 what end like these are not like uh, 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 murderers and rapists they're they're like the worst you can say is there's like grand larceny involved yeah. um, and the only people that will believe them or believe her are these two old crooks Harry <laughs> and Marv who lived through what this kid did to them when they were uh, when, uh, back in the 80s um, and it's you know it, it's not that much of a stretch to see that you know this kid got a taste for violence and it really kind of stuck around. Um, so the series is Harry and Marv trying to take down established local politician Kevin McAllister um, before he can get like a real powerful government position. Um, and one of the scenes uh, uh, that I, I told Elvin about was um they go to his mom and you get Catherine O'Hara to come back and play the mom again um and they convince her like they talk to her about what happened um and like kind of secretly she's always known something was wrong with Kevin uh um which we need to talk about Kevin um and and it's it, it doesn't take that much convincing for for her to get on board um, so she goes and tries to like confront Kevin about it, and he just decides to put her in one of his traps. Um, and and you get a, a a desperate mother trying to convince her son not to kill her. Uh, you know, it's like you know, uh, um, Kevin, you wouldn't you wouldn't hurt your mother, would you? You couldn't. Uh, what would you do without me? And Kevin just deadpans, "Oh, mom, you think I never had to live without you?" So yeah, I, I I think you could do an interesting like drama horror series. I, I really want you to sneak in the line, get lost in New York. So. <laughs> I also wanna I want somewhere in there there needs to be a keep the change you feel the animals. Animal. Oh, yeah. yeah. um, I also Catherine O'Hara is a fantastic actress. However, uh, yeah. her role 
in Schitt's Creek makes me, whenever you say this now, I can only hear her talking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Kevin. Kevin? <laughs> Why would you hurt your mother? <laughs> like, <laughs> have, I haven't seen your bebés lately. Like, just, Would you do I, anything with his extended family? I think like you could have it be like, you could either have it be that the family starts to, uh, uh, Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, Buzz. Buzz would definitely be one of the ones to to kind of point out. Oh, actually, when when Harry and Mar first go to go to mom, like she doesn't buy it, and Buzz is the one that yes. is like, you don't remember like the squirrels, like what would happen with with any time Kevin would find a bird, like how he, you know, we we would just find like bones and feathers yeah. later, like you know, you don't remember like. The, the neighborhood pets going missing, you know, like all, like you'd have the, all this weird shit would see, start to happen. I don't see Buzz as that. I could see the sister, one of the sisters as that, mm -hmm. but, or um, what was the little cousin's name? Fuck, uh, the one that, ha it's, it's, act, it's Kieran, Kieran Culkin. Fuller. Was, yeah. No, you're, no, actually I can it works see better Buzz with one of the sisters. Buzz being blamed for those. See, I could yes, see Buzz, absolutely. I could see yes. Buzz as like, Kevin has very subtly like manipulated Buzz, because Buzz was kind of the dumb one of no, the entire yeah, family, and Buzz being like his enforcer, because Kevin, yeah. it's one of those things where all you need is a little bit of change in perspective, and you see that that's every really, time something really bad good. happens, Kevin is just kind of like looking at the camera and kind of winking at the camera of like, oh, this is weird that this just happened accidentally. Like, all of it was part of his machinations, you know? I also love the idea of Devin Betray getting more work. Like, he showed up recently in a uh, in Blue Ruin, and he was fucking great in that. Um, if you haven't seen Blue Ruin, it's basically the Punisher as a regular guy, uh, and it's a revenge story <laughs> okay. that, spoilers, the revenge happens in the first 10 minutes of the movie, so what the fuck else is gonna happen in the rest of this movie? It's wild. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, from the same guy who made uh, um, uh, Green, Green Room. Room. I was gonna say, um, Green Room comes off as the measured, uh, more... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> We're toned down. Oh shit! <laughs> Mike, have you have you heard of or seen Green Room? No, but yeah. it sounds like I need to do some research. If it you wanted does. to see Patrick Stewart play a white supremacist, uh, <laughs> and, 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 uh, that's interesting because I've seen Ian McKellen play a white supremacist. Yes, um, <laughs> and like, Yelton uh, is in it as oh, a yeah. punk guy. It's really, mm -hmm. it's really. Good. He's he's the he's like the bass player, I think, for a punk band from Arlington. No shit. Uh, that is touring and they're, they, like one of the venues they were supposed to go to fell through, mm. but a local guy found them another one, but it's a fucking Nazi bar. Yeah. And okay. shit goes sideways. I think uh, I watched that with you, didn't I, at your house? Uh, maybe, quite possibly. I think I did. It was, and you were talking about Blue Ruin. It's like, you think this is something you... <laughs> <laughs> I um I just remembered I, I've seen memes about this, but mm -hmm. I did actually start thinking in more in depth about one. I have a really good one. Okay. Mm -hmm. Ghostbusters. Okay. Is I, I Ghostbusters popped up my radar too. What do you what do you yeah. got? Um they're not the good guys. No, the they're not. They're guys. the fucking villains. Yeah. Walter Peck. Walter Peck is Walter, the hero. Yes. Yeah. Because he's just trying to protect the goddamn city of New York. While yes. For the EPA. Yeah. yeah. You've, got, you've got four dudes. You've got four dudes running around with unlicensed nuclear reactors on their fucking backs, right? Like creating this, this like ghost containment grid that's drawing 
ridiculous amounts of power with no idea of what actually is like, what kind of like side effects are coming from this shit. Like as they run around with radiation, like yeah. just blowing holes in shit, just oh, shooting, yeah. shooting like fucking plasma and radiation in whatever direction they want or yeah. can. Yeah. yeah, and like it yeah. would not take a huge like perspective flip on this because like if you if you look at the eighties, it fits in the eighties aesthetic, mm -hmm. right? Of like the government keeping us down, you know, like we're just trying to save people, and that's why the EPA is the bad guy, right? But like mm -hmm. flip it to now, right? You have people who have money and means to do shit, and this guy's just trying to protect people's lives and trying to say, protect like public safety and stuff like that. It would be very easy to flip the Ghostbusters and make them very easy, easy villains. Yeah. Like, so Vankman, just Peter Vankman by himself. Just being a scumbag. Why, did, bring, <laughs> why did he bring uh, sedatives to Dana's apartment? Why did he just happen to have that on him? I just had a whole bunch of Thorazine. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that he didn't Vankman? know that there was some kind of weird fucked up monster there. Yeah. He shows up with his medical bag. Weird. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. a lot of fucking potential there. Yeah. And like Egon being this genius who is essentially manipulated by Venkman. Venkman's the fucking villain. Yeah. The whole time. Because he's the he's the mouthpiece of the Ghostbusters, right? Because Ray and Egon are essentially just like these like I'm trying to think of the right term for him. They're oh, both like man. idealistic scientists. Like they're yeah. like Ray is so into the paranormal and so into like he he's just so easily like not manipulated, but like so easily excited about these things. And like Egon is the brains, Egon's the like the technical know-how. Ray's the idealistic one, but Venkman's the one that can manipulate them. There is a there's a universe where Bill Murray played Maxwell Lord. In a Justice League International movie. <laughs> right? Well, I was also going to say, like, even if you just made the movie from the point of view of Winston, a guy who just needs the job. Yeah. Which would be fucking great. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're just going in there and meeting these wackos. And then you the, makes friends with, like, Ray because he's the one that's kind of, like, always in the car with him. But maybe he starts connecting with Venkman and slowly starts realizing, wait a minute, you're using everybody here. Yeah. Also, all of this is really real because that speaks also to like health code violations in the 1980s, which there oh, were yeah. for like again all these different companies that were doing like all sorts of stuff and what. And like so, even better is if you flip it from the villain perspective and the ghosts aren't real. Oh, oh you think it's all like fucking seances? Oh, and shit? yeah, it's yeah, no, yeah. yeah, like they do this for whatever reason, and there's some ulterior motive, right? But the ghosts aren't real. Venkman has somehow been able to convince Ray and Egon, or like you make Egon kind of kind of evil, you know, like, and he's like helping to create these like fake projections that are the ghosts, so that they can do whatever the fuck they want. And it's it's I, I mean like whatever reason you want to make for them to be like this. You wouldn't even have to make him evil. You would just have to make him a little unstable. Yeah, yeah. And and have it, or or be, yeah, better still. Like Peter is Egon's psychi psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. Ooh, Peter is like. Like Egon has like some some uh, 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 some some mental instability, mm -hmm. but he, Peter's the one who's actually prescribing him medication, and it's yeah. it's not making him better; it's making him worse. Yeah. So he's like, like, and you get stuff like uh, 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 like Winston talking, like 
very rarely do they interact, but Winston finally is able to to have a conversation with Egon. He's like, man, I've never seen a ghost before. And Egon's mm -hmm. like, what are you talking about? They're in here right now. Oh, that's creepy. Dude, fucking make Winston the hero. Mm -hmm. That'd be fucking great. Yeah. yeah. Holy He's shit. the most relatable character, really. He is. Did you know that man. there was yeah. did you know that there was a ton of extra stuff that was supposed to be like about his character in the movie that they just completely mm -hmm. cut? He was supposed to be a, like he was supposed to be a veteran. He was supposed to like have all of this experience and stuff like that. And they just completely ripped like that all was of it out when of that was when Eddie Murphy was supposed to be the character. Yeah. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Eddie Murphy was gonna be gonna be Winston and um John Belushi was going to be uh, Peter. Yeah, you really it was, do. Damn, that would have been a different movie. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it, like, it, was, it was supposed to be a Blues Brothers thing, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and funny enough, as as a, a sort of like um, Easter egg, the Ghostbusters comic, which, like, by the way, the IDW Ghostbusters comics have been like shockingly good. They okay. did a whole like into the Spider Verse thing where every version of the Ghostbusters <laughs> met up and interacted, um, including like all of the cartoons and shit. Wow! Um, but there's a, a dream sequence at one point that Ray has, and there's like his sort of like dream guide is Jake Blues. Oh, that's cool! It's 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 fucking Belushi as Jake Blues. Uh, um, man, that's cool. Yeah. Fuck uh, yeah. Oh God! I want that Winston movie now. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? I think I think between the three of us, we can fucking team up and make that shit happen because that that would be a ton of fun. Because like you even could like not play on. Like, let me be clear, okay? As a veteran, it's not something mm -hmm. that you want to just play up for laughs or mm -hmm. or anything like that. But like, if you have Winston as a veteran and you have him dealing with PTSD with all this shit, like mm -hmm. that that's something that really could play not play well, but it like really could add a lot of depth to this and like him almost realizing he's like, wow, okay, so they're manipulating me as well. And they're taking advantage of my PTSD to make me, oh shit, are they trying to grab more veterans for this? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. and him realizing that, like, this oh, could be- Oh yeah, a you, could, you could have it be that it picks up like five to five or six years later, like after like Ghostbusters 2 even. Yeah. And Vankman started to franchise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. He started doing shit. And like, it would be tough to get around like explaining away um the fucking state like, marshmallow man the state of marshmallow man <laughs> and the giant and, dogs <laughs> yeah or you know i mean i honestly if you if you wanted i do really like the idea that the ghosts aren't real um but if you you could have it be that um it's it's not that egon has any issue what good hang on he's got something so, all right i got something because yeah. i remember when i was in in college uh i worked at a convenience store this has a point uh <laughs> I used to uh, watch the news back in Puerto Rico while I was in the convenience store. And for a time, there were actual reports on the news about sightings of a chupacabra. Like in the afternoon news, they were finding like dead goats. They were finding dead animals. They were talking to like the, the FBI or something like or like some 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 association in the government it kind of didn't go anywhere because it probably was like something some animal or something or other like a lot of times what happens with those things is that somebody brings like a coyote to over to Puerto Rico it's someone that's outside of the 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 regular you know fauna or whatever of the of, of the, the ecology I mean uh of the uh of of the island and suddenly it start attacking different animals stuff like that. so but immediately you would watch in what would be like walter cronkite time 
they talk about El Chupacabra and they really present it as a possible reason for all of these things to happen. So the idea of like the news actually saying you could even have it tied where like a a, a prominent uh, news anchor or somebody like that or the mayor's office, since there was such a big deal in the movies, are really pushing for this plot of ghosts attacking the world to be real because we're getting funding from some you could absolutely do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're getting some sort of ratings, something. It turns out that, like, if you start asking people who actually were in Manhattan on that day, yeah. there's really not anybody that can say that there was a giant marshmallow man that came through. And it was all an excuse for them to demolish this. Holy fuck, you can tie this into 9-11 conspiracies. <laughs> and it's Holy the shit. Mandela effect. Like everybody, oh my God. I was there. I saw the, the Stay Puff marshmallow yeah. man. It, yeah, it turns out that it, you know, yeah. like. Yeah, it was a way was for them say. to get eminent domain over that giant building so that they could turn it into something different. Holy like, yeah, like an Alex yeah. Jones type is on TV. Like holy shit, on, 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 turn in the frogs game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, like what I was gonna say is, if you if you didn't go the angle of they're not real, you have it be that Egon. So so Ray is the one who's into the paranormal, right? Mm -hmm. And Egon is the he's like the 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 real like you know meat and potatoes mm -hmm. concrete scientist, and it's not that there's ghosts. Egon has managed to discover that there are parallel realities. Mm. And Venkman's like, well, could you open a door to one? Mm. And so they're basically like, Peter is having Egon open up gateways to just release random creatures into the, into, into like the locality so they can fight them and then send them back. And the thing that happens with Gozer mm -hmm. is one, like, one that's just too big and too powerful gets out. But Peter spins it so that this was always there and this was always mm -hmm. supposed to happen. And if, if not for us, we wouldn't have been able to fix every, yeah. any of this. Um, so that it's, it's what Winston really knows is that Peter has just been acting as spin doctor the entire time for his own mm -hmm. mistakes. You literally could make this into a horror movie. Yeah. And it would be very easy to do. It's a, it's a, uh, God, we're coming up with all these great ideas. It, it's almost like Event Horizon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Really cool. Yes, this is going to be great. Okay. All right. So um, I don't really have like a sort of an end point for this. I don't really have yeah. um, uh, uh, an overall story beyond mm -hmm. like, I just really like the concept. We'll figure it um, out. We just did it with Ghostbusters. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> Wow. Back to the Future. Okay. Um, Biff knows everything. It's because it starts mm -hmm. with the first movie. It starts with you know with old Biff, but on the timeline, it starts with Mad Dog Tannen. So Mad Dog does a sort of like Jesse James on his deathbed kind of thing, and he tells his story of his and his experience with this old man that you know, seemed to have some kind of time machine. He seemed to, mm -hmm. to like, he was a scientist in a way that like no one had ever seen before and all this shit. And it's only, and, and it, you know, it, and it's, it's part of like, you know, family lore. Um, <clears throat> it only gets confirmed for Biff when he's a teenager, when he meets this old version of himself who lays everything out. 
And you have it be that the timeline isn't as um, quite as elastic as uh, uh, you think, or at the very least, for some reason, Biff is able to retain the information. So Biff remembers like multiple timelines. He remembers the time when he became the like Donald Trump figure. So he oh, remembers wow. being powerful yeah, this and is, he remembers being successful. And then later very, on, good. No, I was just gonna say like, this is very similar to a Stephen King books, uh, 112263, where nice. um, there's, there's these people that like protect the timeline and they remember all the strings because one of the main characters fucking with the timeline to basically 112263 is the day uh, Kennedy got assassinated. Mm -hmm. The guy has, has the ability to go back in time um, through this portal and is gonna try to save Kennedy. But like these protectors of the timeline keep saying time is obstruct, meaning like it doesn't want you to change it. But like when you start fucking with it, like these guys still know all the strings. And like, it, it's, yeah. The, the fact that like there, there could be somebody that knows all of the different strings of all the different timelines of where like Marty and and, um, and Doc fucked with it, um, that makes a lot of sense. And On it's top, yeah. It's it's not even that like Biff has some like heroic motive. Like it's yeah. it's it's destroying the fabric of reality. It's just fucking with his head. Yeah. Like he's having a harder and harder time keeping uh, uh, like a semblance of reality going on. Like is what's happening right now what's really happening or is this part of another like another like you you almost kind of do like dr manhattan dr manhattan without the powers mm -hmm. like it's 1980 not 85 and um i'm dating uh, uh lorraine it's 1985 and i'm uh, uh i'm assaulting lorraine it's you know and, and like it's it's constantly like fucking up his brain and that's like part of why when you when at the end of the first movie when you flash back uh when you, when you come back to the present uh he's kind of broken down mm -hmm. um because it's like physically affecting his mind and body and so like biff becomes the not the certainly not the the, the hero but the protagonist in trying to like prevent them from ever uh, 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 creating the DeLorean or the Flux Capacitor or anything. Uh, you could have it be that like some version of him steals the DeLorean mm. and tries to like uh, uh, prevent uh, uh, um, or like like fucking Terminator style tries to kill Doc Brown yeah. before uh, uh, he's even able to come up with the idea because he's, he's like a, a, a reality where I don't exist is better than the one I'm currently living. Oh wow! wow. <laughs> have you guys That's ever dark. seen? Have you ever seen? <laughs> have you ever seen the theory that, like, in Back to the Future yeah. Two, when Marty is trying to steal the book back from mm -hmm. Biff on the hoverboard, and then Doc saves the day with the DeLorean, that like mm -hmm. Marty died like fifteen times, and Doc had to keep going back in time. <laughs> like, so the, there's I mean, just I see it. there's like this pile of dead Martys, basically. <laughs> Like, I'm shocked Rick and Morty hasn't done this already. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I heard recently that, that Rick and Morty was originally like pitched as kind of a Back to the Future series. Oh, it, yeah. That it was, yeah, it was, it was like, he was called like Doc and Marty. Yeah. Rick and Morty. Um, oh, shit. I could well, And I, I was listening to um, um, uh, another podcast, and it, it's, it's an argument podcast um, called Taste Buds. 
and it's Sal Volcano from Practical Jokers and Joe DeRosa uh, oh. doing, like, just, like, fighting over, uh, like, random shit. And then uh. one particular episode, it wasn't Sal, but it was one of the other guys from Practical Jokers. And it was best franchise, Star Wars or Back to the Future. Uh -huh. And something I hadn't considered was um, uh, uh, the other guy, uh, Brian something, um, mm -hmm. says... I, I love the fact that, like, at one point in Hill Valley, there are five DeLoreans. <laughs> and I hadn't, I was like, well, there's the one in Doc's garage. There's uh -huh. the one that Marty brings in. There's the one buried in the cave. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're like, shit, fuck, they're all. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I didn't even think about that too. Oh. You know, Robert Robert Zemeckis is super protective over that franchise. Like, yeah, they won't remake it. Yeah, yeah, people have said on multiple occasions, "Oh, we'd love to do a sequel. We'd love to do this. We'd love to do that. We'd love to remake it." And he's like, "You're never touching my fucking franchise." And I'm like, "Oh, that's I kind of like that. I, I yeah. love the stance, but at the same time, like, we're talking about some pretty cool shit that you could do with that franchise, and like the fact that we're not exploring it, like." I kind of wish we would. 50-50. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could, I could see you getting it fucked up, but at the same time, like just seeing more stories would be a lot of fun. Um, there's so many different ones that you could do. Like I've, I've often thought, and mm -hmm. you have to be careful with this. We, Rambo and I were talking about this. Mm -hmm. that, like they haven't really done it yet with Star Wars. They did it a little bit with the Clone Wars. Yeah. But those are very specific. Those are the clones. That's different. And they started it in. Mm -hmm. um, in Force Awakens, of seeing the perspective of the Stormtrooper. Because they give you little hints, but they don't really go into it. So like, for instance, we find out that Finn has this battle of conscience at one point because like his friend dies and he's just like, I don't want to fucking do this anymore, man. This is fucked up. Mm -hmm. And then like joins Poe and like, there's that whole thing with them. Like, mm -hmm. but we don't get enough depth. We don't understand where he came from. We don't understand that like, cause if, if you read the books, like the fucking turbo nerd that I am and mm -hmm. like read all of that, like extended universe shit, like a lot of the stormtroopers were conscripts. They were basically like kidnapped and like brainwashed to be stormtroopers. Uh -huh. And like, I think that some really interesting stories could be told with that as well, where it's like, these guys are fighting this war, but like, it's not something that they want to fight. A lot of them brainwashed into it. Some of them break it as we saw Finn do, but like, you also have to play that really balanced, that really careful balanced line of like, we don't want to make fascism look heroic. Yeah. And like, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's that's a hard line and like yeah. i think some interesting stories could be told but you you would have to put it in the hands of somebody who is really really good at crafting story and honestly from yeah. what i've seen with the new andor series like Man. you could do some really interesting shit with that with that franchise outside of the skywalker song yeah elvin have you watched any of uh, andor yet no, I uh, have been I've been teaching like seven classes this semester. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like getting my butt kicked. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm super behind. I'm on behind on She-Hulk. I'm behind on Andor. I'm behind. Hey, okay, man. If you like it, I have not watched it. <laughs> <laughs> Andor... I was thinking. Uh -huh. uh, no. That, go ahead. Did you, go ahead. Have, you seen, have you seen Rogue One? Yes. Okay. Did you like Rogue One? Yeah, yeah I did. Then you'll like Andor. It, okay. it, it takes it takes that concept and mm -hmm. really like 
grabs it and pulls it apart and like, like let's add a ton of depth to this. Let's, okay. let's all the things that were good about Rogue One, they're expanding on and they're giving you more depth. They're giving you more background. They're taking characters like Mon Mothma, for instance. Okay. Um, who had, I don't know, all of like two minutes of dialogue in Return of the Jedi. And yeah. they're making her such a deeper character and like yeah. really get to understand um what's going on. But they're also taking concepts from like the extended universe uh star wars shit and they're taking it and they're like adding that into this and yeah. like you get to see some really really cool shit and you understand how the rebellion works in a way that has never really been explained um, the, the thing that that really kind of tripped me up was uh i didn't realize that tony gilroy either wrote or was at least co-writer on rogue one yeah and that's a name that you know but you probably don't know why you know because I knew Gary Whitta wrote for it, too. Tony Gilroy wrote and directed Michael Clayton. Oh, wow. Tony Gilroy is the showrunner on Andor. I, you oh, know what? wow. I, yeah. have to give, I have to give serious credit, then, to Roberto Ortiz. Because I was uh -huh. on uh, Fantastic Forum with Yuli. Um, mm. So shout out to Ulysses E. Campbell and Fantastic Forum. Um, <laughs> that he brought that up. He's like, Andor is a commentary on Northern Ireland and Ireland and the IRA. And I'm like, nah, wait a minute, hang on. You might be onto something. And the mm -hmm. fact that Gilroy is involved in this, that he was involved in Michael Clayton, like all the fucking strings are coming together. Oh, that's crazy. Well, and, and one of the big, uh, uh, the big kind of overarching themes, at least early on, is corporate interest during fascism yeah. mm -hmm. and how fascism supports corporate like capitalism and vice versa because some shit goes down with not even like stormtroopers not even like proper police corporate security acting as police basically within their jurisdiction but okay. they're clearly not trained soldiers yeah and shit going sideways um it's well, tell me yeah. too much i want to just yeah, it's, it's it. really yeah. impressive in, in terms of like the way it's been paced, the way it's laid out. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I tend to like, in various degrees, all of the Star Wars shows. Like, I know that some of them are divisive or not, but I, I'm, I'm easy. Like, if you have laser beams, swords, spaceships, I'm Same. usually all right. Yeah. yeah so, uh, there's so something to like there. Yeah. To it. But yeah. the, the, from the trailers, it did look like it had more more grit and more weight to it um i wanted to add mine i have a couple of uh, yeah no please, please do. do yeah um so i i have a larger one that i've talked to rambo but as we were talking it just popped in my head uh aliens coming to earth to get the greatest american suit back from the greatest american hero oh that'd be great because it's like uh, a, a Thanos type threat is coming to Earth, and they're like, "Well, we've we've prepared them already because we gave the suit to a worthy uh, uh, person that's gotta is gonna protect it. He's the Green Lantern of Earth, uh, the greatest American hero, and come to Earth, and it's and it's what's his face? And it's, he can barely fly. Uh, and, and you're like. Oh crap! <laughs> what did you guys do with this suit? Well, I made a really sick theme song. Have you heard it? <laughs> you so get it's all Bill either Hader. like trying to get the suit away from him, or in some way, shape, or form, prepare him to 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 get ready to fight the uh, 
the the, the fantasy type thing that's Bill Hader. That's you get fucking Bill Hader to play the greatest American hero. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So but oh, that's so good. Yeah. That that I mean that this idea is like fun because like you can definitely take uh, uh, all sorts of different things. I was even thinking Doctor Who stuff like from the people who see the companions leave. They just see these companions never come back to their lives, going away with the space person that's taking them to different worlds. Yeah, it's a little scarier from that. Yeah, perspective. and you, you big... could, if you if you leaned on like, I mean, you know, mm -hmm. Matt Smith's a wonderful actor. He's a weird looking dude. Yeah, if you leaned on the doctor looking a little more alien. Well, all the old doctors. If you look at every single doctor before David Tennant prettied up the room. <laughs> they're like they're all weirdos like uh, like like tom baker just took your daughter to space <laughs> he's literally <laughs> offering people candy yeah. <laughs> wrapping people with scarves you see that <laughs> fucking hat and scarf like who yeah. the fuck's this guy yeah, yeah like it's like it's a creeper he dresses like a creeper and he's just like hey get my shit yeah it's <laughs> box it's just wrong step in the phone box with me I just hear I just hear it as Zaphod Beeblebrox like, hey, what's up, baby? Want to get in my spaceship? <laughs> but the big one I thought of was uh, Gem and the Holograms, and it was basically yeah. looking at from the viewpoint of the Misfits, the other band, the band that they always like played against or like basically took off the charts, because Gem is essentially a hologram, literally a hologram on top of somebody else. So all of her music and all of the the music that the holograms produce is basically electronic, no no real. It's it's basically corporate rock, whereas Misfits are essentially like Motley Crue. Like they they they're they're wrecks and they play and they're loud and they're angry, but they're real. Like they're a real band. That, that got signed and now they're getting left behind because this new M and the Hologram band has screwed them up. So picking it up now, like a, uh, I don't know if you ever watched the story of Anvil, like the the, the documentary about this old band that didn't quite make it in the, uh, in the 80s and seeing where they're at now, trying to pick everything back up. And then all of these other bands talking like, Metallic and other person. Oh, they're super influential. You get people like my Chemical Romance. Was like, ah, really? The Miz. <laughs> That's where I really started caring about music. And then they just went away, and they just got killed by basically glam rock. <laughs> if you if you treat them like uh, like the Runaways. Yeah. Yeah. And then Fuck yeah. And you slowly and maybe you, since we're doing the 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 Cobra Kai thing, we're like. The, the protagonist is also not completely a villain. Like, uh, what's her name? Uh, Jerick Benton, who's the the fuck? The turn you to... you yeah. make you make Gem. Okay, you make Gem Vanilla Ice. Okay, and here's why. Yeah. So everybody is like, Vanilla Ice is a fucking joke. Vanilla Ice is a fucking joke. Okay, maybe he is. Yeah. But like, when you listen to his story and you find out that he was just this white kid trying to rap and co like corporate interests were like let's take this kid and craft him into whatever we want him to be and yeah. have him do all these things like that's why he got so popular is because we, he got shoved down our throats yeah. so like he was just trying to do music and then all of a sudden they're like here do all of these things say all of these things 
play this role, do exactly what you want. And he got way in over his head to the point yeah. where fucking Suge Knight's hanging him off of a balcony by his ankle. Like, the, you the put Suge him Knight into that. perfect, yeah. Yeah, because they, they take advantage of Jem of just wanting to be a fucking musician. The main villain is really Synergy. The, the, the oh, thing fuck. that's actually making all nice. of these things come true for yeah. Jem and whatnot, but there's making soulless music. Synergy is the record company. It's, Synergy's the record company that hears about Jerrica, who yeah. performed at an open she performed at an open mic once. Yeah. And she just had, you know, she had not a great voice, but a good voice. Yeah. Like that's it, sort of the, She fits the, an algorithm. We can she, take she fits the algorithm. Well, in the original story, oh, Synergy is um, of the of the record producer that died that owned all the records. And she uses synergy to become Jem. So I mean, this is—it's it's fucking Barry Gordy. It's Barry Gordy. <laughs> oh man, synergy is Skynet. Yeah, and meanwhile, you have a band of, of like really cool like rock ladies that are like like they look like Joan Jett and Lita Ford and like all of. Like and then they have these spiky hair and they're like today they're they're trying to come back and all they had were like instruments and attitude. And for some reason that made them difficult. Well, for some reason. I know yeah. we, back in the day, and that, that's why Jem became the stars, because she's generic. She she kind of fits the bill. But maybe Jerrica the entire time has been trying to break out of that too. So there may be like a little thing here and there where yeah. you actually Daniel LaRusso her as well. Oh yeah. I, I feel like you could you could um you have it be that Jerrica realizes that her strength isn't it. that's what it is. All of her live performances are okay, but anything she recorded sounded great. And that mm -hmm. was the problem yeah. is that Jerrica's a better producer than she is a musician. Yeah. And so she's gotten this kind of second life as a producer and she's like made a name for herself. Um, and the way that she's sort of like disingratiated herself with the misfits is you basically get the Butch Big Nevermind situation where fucking uh, stole my th yes, that's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah. She comes in and she she's hired to produce a misfits album, but it ends up being yeah. too polished. And oh, so geez. the band overall doesn't like it, or at the very least, the lead singer doesn't like it. Yeah. Um, but she's like, I'm just doing my job. Like, have this you is heard what I'm the, supposed to do? Have you heard what Butch Vig had to say about that? I I know a little about what he what he did during recording, but I'm not sure what he said. So so fact. what he what he did was is like he did they did all of that right. Like Nevermind came out. Um, Grohl loved it. Novoselic loved it. Cobain loved it. And then after the fact, Cobain was like, I don't like this because. And Vig said, like, he was like, when we were in the process of doing this, fucking Kurt loved every single thing that we were putting out. He's like, this sounds amazing. He's like, I really think he's like, and it's nothing against him. I love the guy to death. He's like, but I think that Kurt was playing a role. And like, he's like, I, he's like, I don't like this because it's corporate because it sounds too polished. Like he was doing that because that's his role. I'm, I'm the grunge guy. I'm anti-establishment. Mm -hmm. uh, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that it's like not punk, it's not punk rock to have a polished record exactly but like it was it was all like not not put upon but like it was all like part of playing the role and that's why he never really holds a grudge against him for him like trashing butch vig he was just like yeah fucking mm -hmm. whatever you know kurt being kurt but like 
Yeah, that would totally work. And like, that's a totally Johnny and Daniel move too. Because yeah. like, if if Jerrica ends up producing the Misfits album that makes them skyrocket, but then the Misfits start feeling shitty about it because they're like, yeah, but now we don't sound like we used to. Yeah. But everybody yeah. fucking loves them. Then it becomes this whole like subversive, well, we were enemies, but now we're friends, but now we're enemies, and now we're friends, but we're friends. And now I don't really like what they're doing. They're changing. Yeah. that. Or I mean, or like similar to similar to Jerrica, like people hear the record and they think it sounds great, but yep. they see the live performance and it's a lot grungier, it's a lot dirtier, it's a lot yep. uh, uh, grittier, and the reaction is is pretty different. Like they're like, well, this isn't what it's supposed to be. Yeah, and and you could have yeah, you have the story be about like uh, production and and authenticity versus yeah. you know is is there art in creating something and finally honing it yep. when part of the art overall is live performance yeah and can you know what's more important being able to recreate what you do live or putting out the best version of something you can and you know what else you could do with this as well is you really yeah. can do some really interesting commentary with jerica where jerica becomes your stand-in for britney spears where jerica mm -hmm. ends up having like a mental break because of all the what's going on very public mental break and everybody's just like, well, she's fucking a wackadoo. Look at her. She's crazy. And like, you really get to like explore like how insidious the music industry can be. And like how like these kids are basically like talked into signing their lives away and all of the control over their art and their medium. Oh, and yeah. like, yeah. If Jim has get, a breakout on stage. Yeah. If you get Miley Cyrus to play. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's so freaking meta. It would be perfect. Oh yeah, that would be. Oh man, that would be fucking gold. Yeah, because I, I mean, think that's like what you do now with it. Because I mean, yeah. it, uh, I don't know if unless you turn Jam and the Holograms into like a Disney show, there's really not a lot of push for something like it. But if you rethink it like that, yeah, you can turn it. Do this, but as an animated show. <laughs> Yeah. Literally, that could actually yeah. be pretty cool. You know, I was thinking about this while we're doing 80s ones. We'll go ahead and wrap up here in just a second. Um, mm -hmm. While we're doing 80s ones, you know, another one that would really be interesting as far as perspective goes is if you flip Transformers and you make Transformers less about like the mm -hmm. good guy Autobots and the bad guy Decepticons and you turn it into almost like a Japanese monster movie, but with kai like Japanese kaiju thing going on mm. where these two warring robot factions are having war on earth and humanity is like what the fuck do we do mm -hmm. like we're just watching these things destroy our planet destroy our buildings kill our people and we're just stuck in the middle like that is kind of a horror like horrific concept because like even though the autobots are like we're your friends and we want to help you you're still 80 feet fucking tall like yeah. it, there's some elvin, serious problems with this elvin did you ever read um that James Stokoe Godzilla book, the, the Half Century War. No. So it's um, it's a story of it's a Godzilla story from the perspective of a Japanese. I think he's a Japanese soldier, um, and it's the like three or four times throughout his lifetime over fifty years where Godzilla comes back, and it's him coping and dealing with like this giant monster wrecking his city and all of the people that he lost and all like if you did something like that but from yeah. sam's perspective 
Yeah. You do like it's same with Wiki tell like oh like maybe maybe as an old man telling the like his life story and it's been all and oh you do kind of like a Manny Shot Liberty Valance thing where yeah. it's like the 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 legend is that like oh Sam was was friends with the Autobots and like hung out with uh, with Optimus Prime and shit but really like the Autobots and the Decepticons are just like weird alien robots that have just chosen Earth as you their could fucking do this. You could do this with Ultraman, like oh. Ultraman show, like with the giant, like yeah, this would work perfectly because he's supposed to be this this protector of Earth, almost like an elemental of Earth that actually protects the Earth from these giant monsters. But your house is still broken. Yeah, <laughs> people just stepped on your lawn and like destroyed your entire built. Like surviving those things, Transformers works totally for this. I guess you could use GoBots just to be able to. <laughs> I don't know. Did you, you ever read? Uh, did you ever read any of the? Um, oh, what's that guy's fucking name? Uh, he did the recent uh, like GI Joe Transformers crossover. I want to say it's like Ed something. Uh huh. Um, but he did a he did a fucking GoBots comic. Oh, I think I do know. Yeah. And there's at least one scene where, like, the lead bad GoBot guy, I don't know what his fucking name is, um, yeah. is he's holding a bunch of people, like, there's a bunch of, like, naked people, and he's like, combine! And he keeps trying to, like, mash them together. <laughs> but they're humans, so they can't actually come together. That's great. Uh, is, that GoBots comic is fucked up. I'll pick <laughs> it, it up. Really weird have, and violent. <laughs> have you read the the the? I know Chris has sold it a million times, but the Transformer run from like I've ago. read a, a little bit of it. I read up to um the I read up to and then had to reread because I couldn't tell who the fuck anybody was. Yeah, the story good. with the three different um. Uh, 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 medical bots, mm. where I want to say it's like Ratchet maybe gets his hands, gets yeah. their hands. Um, and what I read was really good, but it was just one of those like I just yeah. saw something shiny and got distracted and never picked back well, up. One of the things that that story does, which also fits into what we're talking about, is that at the end, it's after the Autobots won, they beat the Decepticon, Cybertron is theirs, and Tom Shioli, Tom Shioli is the name of the guy. Okay. Who did the GoBots comic and the, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. No, really. And what you find out is when they go back to Cybertron, all the robots that live in Cybertron are like, can you please leave? You've turned my planet into a war zone. So it's like they, the, the actual denizens of Cybertron don't like the Autobots and don't like the Decepticons. Because basically you're like, you've been in this war since forever and all that's happened is we live shitty lives because all the money goes into the war effort. We're all kind of like messed up. Like it becomes this commentary of like, yeah, these two uh, uh, transforming like robots and all that stuff are warring over this, this these pedal energon cubes, I forget. Uh, but once they come home, somebody comes victorious, like, great. How are you different than the other despot that we used to have? Yeah. Oh, you won? Great. So are you hey, done now? Is it over? Yeah. <laughs> I just thought of an, I thought of another one that I've yeah. that I've noodled through multiple times and they touched on it in Solo, a Star Wars story, and never went further. Um it's fucked up that the Star Wars universe uses droids as slave labor. 
droid sentience. Yeah, that's they're uh, sentient. They have that's feelings. A big deal. And like that, that's something that you really could delve into and do some really interesting stories because like man, Solo does some fucked up shit with that yeah. whole thing. Yeah, yeah. they basically are like really messed up. Hey, you were trying. Yeah. Hey, you were trying to uh, liberate all um, all droids. You know what we're gonna do now that you're dying? We're gonna plug you into the fucking Millennium Falcon. I'm going to take your brain and stick it in this car, and then. I'm going to steal the car. <laughs> like I'm taking the car away from you know you know how you were were basically in love with your with the, the guy who you saw in the car. Um, I'm stealing the car from him. It's my car now. I I I, I I'm yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you and him. Not only that, I'm not going to keep up on the maintenance of the mm -hmm. vehicle. Um, it's going to look like dog shit for the next like 30 <laughs> years. I have enough money. Uh, in fact, I marry a goddamn rich princess who could actually help me, like, you know, liberate you, like fix the armor on this goddamn ship, but I'm not going to do it because I'd rather drive this trash heap through the universe. Ugh. Yeah, me and my dog are going <laughs> to hang around in... <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking car forever and you are the one who will help me with power steering <laughs> have any of you who've ever read the story the things no have you ever heard of it it's the thing from the things point of view i you know what i started reading that and just never finished it yeah no but it's, it is fucking interesting is it? it's crazy because all the thing wants to do is go home yep <laughs> Just trying to get his ship fixed, and all of these weird fleshy people keep coming over with fire torches and all this stuff, and he just wants to go home. What was the name of the little star guy from um from fucking uh Suicide Spot? Starro, wasn't it? Oh, Starro. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't it, like Starro just wants to fucking be left alone, yeah. and we're star just like, yeah. I was perfectly happy watching the stars. Yeah, I mean, like. You talk about a fucking tragic line. Yeah. Yeah. We had to fuck with it. Damn it, James yeah. Gunn is so good. Yeah. But but then it becomes like, okay, you tortured me for years. Mm. Great. Now I'm in charge. Yeah. And it's it's the it's the you know the shift from um, victim to to villain. Um, it works perfect because works perfect. all of the characters in the show are villains anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, I gotta watch the movie again. Either way, <laughs> I, I actually, I think I'm gonna watch it again too. It's like, so fucking uh, good. Yeah, I. It's so great. You, you nailed it, Rambo, in your review of the movie. You said, "I can't believe they made me give a fuck about Polka Dot Man." Yeah. <laughs> and like, <laughs> yeah, I gotta watch it again because, like, that, and then when you watch uh, Peacemaker, and the fact mm -hmm. that like his fight with Rick Flag really stuck with him. Like yeah. that's yeah, that's that yeah. shows a miracle because yep. I, I left that show going, uh, that movie going. They're making a show about that character. Yeah. At the end of Peacemaker, I was like, this is the best thing DC's ever done. I love it so. I want to keep watching it forever. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a miracle. It was good stuff for sure. Um, yeah. as we as we found out, um, mm -hmm. this topic has got legs, so we may Ooh. come back to this in a future episode. But more importantly, I think we have found somebody who whenever he has the time with his busy professoring job that he has, we would love to have Elvin back, man. Elvin, thank you so much for being part of this episode of At The Diner. Hey, if you've got any projects, if you've got anything where people can like, you know, throw money your way or buy your shit, tell us where we can do that. It is your chance to plug all of the wonderful things that you do. 
So, uh, as I said, I work at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore. So if you're interested in sequential art or learning comics, hit me up. Um, I am currently finishing up my first book of Mundaruda, which is the new the comic that I'm self-publishing myself. I'm going to be premiering it at the Ocean City Comic Con. So if you're in the Ocean City area, definitely come up. I'm going to have a panel presentation on uh, artistic artistic fine arts tropes in media arts and comics. So in the middle of that, I'm also going to promote a comic book. <laughs> Uh, but if you are interested in following up, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Hernandez underscore art. Uh, that is my Instagram handle. Uh, but yeah, just go ahead and hit me up and uh, I'm more than happy to talk. And looking this over, it looks like you got time if you want to still get tickets to go to Ocean City Comic Con yeah. because it's December 10th of 2022. So that's kind of cool. Go out to the I'm beach. also current. I'm sorry. No, you're good. I was just, that's all I was saying. You can go out to oh, the beach, okay. Sorry, I didn't go out to the beach and see some comics and shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it'll be a little cold because it'll be in December, but eh, that means the beach is much clearer. So you can that's true. Yeah. It's, it's actually my favorite time to go there is like in the off season because there's nobody there. And, yeah. Yeah. It was crazy Minimal to go there in pandemic times. Yeah. Because there was nobody there and it was sunny. Um, and the last time. <laughs> I'm doing uh, a lot of card work and a lot of design work. So uh, future Ultraman one and two cards, uh, Oro cards, all coming from our parks productions. I did some work on those as well. So if you like this stuff, fuck yeah, hell yeah. So again, big thanks to uh, Mr. Elvin. Thank you Hernandez. for having me. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Um, big thanks to James Rambo as well for always being a wonderful co-host when it comes to all things at the diner. Um, check out the website again. It's greatgeekrefuge.com. Um, we've got so many great podcasts out there. Um, we've got a podcast all about video games. We've got a podcast all about Star Trek. Um, we've got a sports one. We've got just general grab baggery. In fact, I am doing a follow-up interview that I had with a uh, local politician uh, last year. Guy's name is Cosmer Sheed. Um, who unfortunately didn't win his election, but man, that dude is blown up on social media. Like so many famous people are following him and retweeting him. And I'm gonna be talking to him again because I love hearing about all the cool stuff that he's up to. So make sure you tune into that. That'll be on Mike on the Mic or Mike Explores, whatever I decide to call mm -hmm. him this week. Um, <laughs> but big thanks guys, appreciate you. Uh, also, all of you out there listening, thank you very much for tuning in, for supporting the shows, for supporting the website. We really, truly appreciate you because remember together, there are no heights that we can't reach. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. This has been Pirate Radio Network production, Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy!